535, hit us out to Laredo About to pick us some pounds so we can make us some queso No luggage in the trunk, just me and Saki Headed back down to Texas, now we serving these beans Welcome to the I-35 Sports Connection. It's Triple A in a building. And it's Mila. What's up, guys? How you doing? I mean, I'm doing pretty good because the Big 12 Commission, the new guy in charge, is making money moves, as Cardi B says. Oh, we're just jumping right into it. Okay. I mean, I think we got to jump into it. We're going to talk, you know, Cowboys, Chiefs, OTAs, and mini camps and all that shit towards the end of the show. But the Big 12 just basically said, hey, the month of June is all about me and our conference and news has been exploding by all the stuff that they're doing. And like the big 12 just got super creative with some of the stuff they're doing. So we already know they've expanded, right? Mm -hmm. First year with the new teams joining us this year, you know, the Houston's of the world, the UCS, the, the Sensi's, the BYU's first year. That's one way to expand. You know, another way to expand going a little South of the border. How do you say uh, big 12 in Spanish? Uh, grande doce? I mean, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, you right? Because no habla uh, espanol over here. Hablo, <laughs> see? There you go, correcting me. But like the Big 12 just made a huge announcement regarding Mexico. And you've already seen what Mexico has done for the, the NFL, right? The Chiefs have done some games there. The Raiders, of course, yep. is, is Mexico's second home. Uh, so let's get into what the Big 12 is doing. With Mexico, because as we saw last year, you know, with college football going to Dublin, which I think is kind of unrealistic, you know, to really get a fan base. Mm -hmm. B12 went smart. We already have a team in Texas. We've already got possibly a new footprint coming in Arizona later on in a couple of years. So two teams in Texas. Yeah. So really smart with going. We'll go with the Mexico. Well, I mean, you know. UT is going to leave, but it's going to be Baylor, TCU, and Houston. Yeah, so that's what I mean. three, yeah. yeah, three teams. So let, let's talk about it. Do you want to give the the quote first, or do we want to go into what's happening in Mexico? Let's go ahead and talk about what's happening in Mexico with um, the sports that they chose. So um, there'll be a women's soccer game or football, as they would say <laughs> in Mexico, and then baseball. And then the big one is that. There's going to be a basketball game between KU and Houston in Mexico. And that's kind of like the big centerpiece deal, right? That's the big one. You get Houston, which probably has the largest Latino population of all the Texas schools that we do have uh, in that city, right? One of the biggest populations in the U.S. is Houston and a great natural extension into that Houston market. And then you go KU, which is the most premier probably basketball program, a blue blood, and also surprisingly Kansas City, which is the nearest metropolitan area of mm-hmm. uh, the University of Kansas, has one of the bigger Mexican populations of their makeup uh, compared to other cities. So I really hate how easily you said all those nice things about KU. Uh, this is in regards to the niceness of the Big 12 mm-hmm. and how, uh, how attractive the Big 12 <laughs> is because that wasn't the only news is because come 2026, possible bowl game featuring the Big 12 in Mexico as well. Oh, that will be interesting because I have not been to a game there that the where they would play. I think it's Stadium Azteca um, in Mexico City, but it is a very scary stadium because it seats so many and it's up so high and you're kind of in the mountains, but pretty cool. Yeah, not official because it it may be there or maybe in that brand new stadium in Monterey they built like a decade ago. Uh, So 
Which, for the people listening, Mexico City and Monterey are not like a, a quick hop, skip, and a jump. That's like going from, like, Alabama all the way to California. Yeah. Either way, though, it, it would be the first ever bowl game in Mexico. A really great way for the Big 12 to to get their foothold into there. And, like, you know, we talk media rights deals. Remember, the Big 12 media rights deal, it's ability to adjust as numbers and teams are added. So just because we got a good deal right now doesn't mean we can't go, hey, 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 two years down the road, look at this great deal and what I'm bringing you now, right? I added these schools. Look at this Look at this market we just opened up in Mexico, untapped. So really big stuff coming from the Big 12. What, what, what did it is exactly did uh, Yorkman say uh, about going to Mexico and, and how that suits the Big 12? So, and I quote... Mexico is a natural extension to the Big 12 footprint, and I'm thrilled to introduce Big 12 Mexico as a conference's first ever international presence. Through Big 12 Mexico, our student athletes will have an opportunity to compete in an international setting, and our conference will have the chance to showcase our brands across Mexico, end quote. And I mean, that's such a nice way to make sure that like that game's also prime time, right? Or I guarantee prime time on Telemundo or Univision, someone's going to do prime or ESPN Deportes, but also probably prime time in whatever time slot it's going to be in. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, this is probably a big deal for any um, student athletes of Mexican heritage, like to be able to play in your home country. That's kind of cool because obviously like colleges here are not just built of American citizens. It's from other places. So it's pretty exciting to see. Yeah, absolutely. And they're throwing out like two, you know, Houston has been a the last few years, years has been a perennial top 10 team. You know, KU is obviously KU in basketball. You're also bringing football, as you say, over there, <laughs> uh, bringing baseball. And, and we know how rich those heritages are. And then also on top of that, you're talking about a, a bowl game possibly in 2026. Just yeah, that's huge. That's huge. But that's not the only thing we're doing because – as they say in that one song, from sea to shining sea, Rucker Park <laughs> in the building. <laughs> You're an idiot. Yes, Rucker Park. So if you didn't grow up in the 90s, um, Rucker Park was a huge place for um, up-and-coming basketball players to showcase themselves. It's a park in New York. Uh, I want to say it's in Brooklyn, but I'm not 100%. I mean, just go look at – do me a favor. Go to YouTube, Kobe Bryant. Rucker Park and just how wild that scene was. And I'll tell you everything you need to know about Rucker Park and just incredible. I, you know, LeBron ain't doing anything like that. That was a straight Kobe and his love for the game going to Rucker Park, but I lie. It's in Harlem. <laughs> so go look up that video. If you want to get the feel of just how special that place is for basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be good stuff. So the big 12 is going to be doing a basketball game there exhibition probably in the 2024 season and you know why that's exciting too is like you're you're getting that other coast for sure but you're also like you're kind of almost getting to the point of like hey we're gonna recruit here so let's like stamp our flag you know I wonder why they would be looking at the East Coast. I wonder what team is out there that's been talking about leaving. We're not talking about West Virginia. We ain't talking about West Virginia. What what basketball power has been kind of in limbo about where they want their future to be? Hmm, they might have recently won a national championship. 
Well, that's the other coast. Oh. What about the East oh, Coast, yeah, though? Washington. Mm. Um, UConn? Could be. Not Sam, I'm saying. UConn's been talking to the Big 12. What a way to establish a footprint. And like you're doing with Houston and Mexico, could you be setting up UConn for Rucker Park? If, if I'm l- l- reading the tea leaves here, I'm not saying, but I'm saying UConn to the Big 12 confirmed. No? I mean, I don't think that that's confirmed yet, but, it, you know, the inklings are there. What did Bob say about basketball? What did Bob, or I'm sorry, not Bob. Bob was the old terrible commissioner. What did Brett Yorkman say about basketball in the Big 12? He says, and I quote, we have a plan. As I've said all along, we have an appetite to be a national conference in our makeup from coast to coast. And we do believe in the upside of basketball moving forward as a collective group. That being said, we love our current composition, love the four new schools that are coming in next month. However, if the opportunity presents itself to create value, we will pursue it, end quote. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. I ain't saying, but I'm saying. To me, that sounds like Gonzaga UConn because UConn might as well not have a football team. They're trash. But those two basketball programs are probably the most attractive basketball programs on the market right now. And when specifically asked about Gonzaga, our boy did say something that makes you think that like it's in the tea leaves. It's coming. So I'm going to let you read the quote that he had uh, regarding Gonzaga and its possibility of coming to the Big 12. And this was after the Big 12's uh, a meeting with all the other like chancellors for the Big 12. So um, not necessarily a quote, but, um, you know, when asked specifically about the possibility of Gonzaga or other schools joining as basketball only members, uh, Mr. Yorkman did say that he reiterated, you know, he reiterated his belief that basketball is undervalued in media rights and it just kind of makes sense to decouple football and basketball. I mean, that sounds like Gonzaga, right? It does. It does. I always forget they're on the West Coast, too. I don't know why, but Gonzaga just seems like it should be on the East Coast. <laughs> well, Gonzaga is a great way to get the West Coast market. It gives you that primetime late game during basketball season. And then for football season and the other sports seasons, we're still talking about the Pac-12, right? I was just about to say, what a great segue into the Pac-12. Just kind of inching our way to that West Coast side. Colorado. The Arizona schools. Look who came crawling back. Oh, they coming. Also, talking about Utah, natural rival for BYU. And we have confirmed, like confirmed, confirmed that the Big 12 schools, uh, or the Big 12 is talking to the, the Pac-12 schools that might be left in limbo because Arizona's president, Bobby Ribbons, says... Ribbons or Robbins? Might be Robbins. Robbins, yeah. Robbins. <laughs> um, he said that they're waiting until the Pac-12 current deal expires and to see what deal the Pac-12 can get before they confirm whether or not they're staying or going. But he did acknowledge in that same breath that he has been in contact with Brett Yorkman and they have spoke. So, I mean... A relationship is there, basically. It means he's saying, hey, we're probably coming, but let me see what magic our Pac-12 commission can do before I fully bail. I agree. And it doesn't sound like he's super optimistic about it. So who knows? It's going to, I think eventually it's going to end up being the SEC and the Big 12. 
Yeah, with, with the Big Ten too, I would say. I mean, yeah, but like they won't be as big. Yeah, I, I mean, you had you had these schools, you had Gonzaga, like you had Gonzaga, UConn. There, there might as well not be any other basketball played in the country. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the Big 12 is up and coming with this basketball thing. Like, look at how many of us made it into the tournament. It's wild. It's bananas. You, you had UConn, then you have the last three national championships, Baylor, KU, and UConn. Like, dominance. Yeah. And you had these schools, like the hottest team right now, Colorado. Colorado wants back into the Big 12s in the worst way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had Utah, who's been the best team in the Pac-12 the last couple of years. Like, well, okay, I don't care about USC and UCLA. They, they've been irrelevant in their sports underachieving, right? Like, this is the step right here. The only thing they've done well is their college cheating scandal. <laughs> for I mean, a while. For was, a while. They got away with it for a while. What a great doc. I know. What a great few docs out there. But, I mean, that's just huge for the big 12 and like the viability of this conference. Mm-hmm. See you later. OU. see you later. UT yeah. who, Oh, by the way, weren't even in the big 12 title game last year in football. Right. At don't all. Let the door hits you. Exactly. <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. We don't need you here. Right. And, and so I, I think the, the status of the big 12 is just fine going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we'll be just fine. Now, let's get into OTA news, uh, rookie mini camp news from the Chiefs and Cowboys. Just a few storylines that have like popped up we want to talk about. Maybe a bold prediction or two as we inch closer to training camp. Okay, sounds good. We go Cowboys first. And there's a quote from Mike McCarthy that scared the bejesus <sighs> out of me. But I want to know how you feel because you're the resident, you know, Cowboys 2023 Super Bowl book it person. Look, one day this is going to happen for me and I'm never going to shut up about it. I will open every single show with woo Cowboys are champions. But um, before I say all that, I have the same sentiment as you with um, I don't like this quote. I don't like it because why? Why? Why would you not like this quote? Don't you want this from your offensive coordinator? Because, you know, obviously it was Kellen Moore's fault. Don't you want this from your head coach, right? Everything was Kellen Moore's fault. All right, let let me read it first. And I quote, At the end of the day, the quarterback needs to own the offense. I have no interest in being known as some guru coach or smart coach. I want smart Hall of Fame type quarterbacks. The only way to get there is to make them own their own offense. Dak Prescott has done a really good job of taking ownership of that. He's knocked it out of the park, end quote. Okay, this is a classic case of CYA. For those that don't know, that means cover your ass. Uh, Well, what's that thing? Like, what are your red flags? This is a fucking red flag. This is the biggest red flag. Also, um... No, you should be want to you should want to be known as a smart coach. What what type of stupidity is this shit? This is like, hey, if all shit goes to to fail, not my fault. It was Dak's fault, right? Yeah. This guy takes no responsibility for anything. Kellamore give you the number one offense, right? And you are afraid. I guarantee you, he's afraid that the offense is gonna take a step back because Kellen is gone. And the whole reason 
Mike McCarthy has a name in the NFL is because he likes to be known as some type of guru. This dude, <laughs> this dude is literally trying to like protect his reputation or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah. If this doesn't pan out, Mike, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, it might be high school basketball or high school football for you. This guy is, <laughs> I've been saying this since I hired, this, he ain't the one. I, he okay. ain't the one. I don't think he's not the one, but... I it is a little concerning to me that there's no offensive coordinator and now we're putting it in Dak because there is nothing more anxiety inducing than when Dak cocks back with his arm looks around in a panic and just launches the football because it's not like with Patrick Mahomes where you know it's going to land somewhere with Dak you know it's probably going to be an interception and it is terrifying he is our Derek Carr and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is setting the stage for, hey, you know, maybe Dak wasn't the guy. This is setting the stage for that. Sorry. Let me, let me back up. This is absolutely doing that. But it's also kind of averting the blame, and I don't like that. You're already making excuses for things that haven't happened. That tells me that you, you've kind of given up on the season, essentially. They blame Kellen Moore for the failings of the last few years, even though he gave him one of the best offenses in the NFL when Dak was healthy because they lost to San Francisco. I mean, shit, even when he wasn't healthy. Look at those, what, four or five games? Cooper Rush, yeah. The Reeds were there to beat San Francisco. It just wasn't executed. Yeah, also Brett Maher, but he wasn't the only reason, but a big reason. So I think that worries me a lot. Uh, from Cowboys uh, OTA. And I'm going to skip over like, oh, so-and-so is healthy, blah, blah, blah. Next story, Cowboys, I want to talk about is, yeah, Turpin is returning kicks, but you know who else is returning kicks? Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Bigelow Vaughn Gigolo. (laughs) (laughs) Don't call him that. Do not call him that. We don't approve. But I think that's his new nickname. (laughs) No, no. His nickname is Deuce. Deuce is not really his name. Deuce Bigelow Von Gigolo. No, do not, guys. This is not going to start here. He handles balls. What else do you want? Oh, my God. Anyways, I am fired up to see Deuce Von hit the field this year, anxiously waiting for that jersey to come out because I will be buying a jersey, a shirt. I'll be buying it all, Deuce. Can I throw a little hot take out here? Ooh, okay. Hot take. Hot. Cavante Turpin gets cut final roster deuce vaughn takes over kicking duties nah i don't think so that's that's my hot take turpin's not getting paid much is he what's the point you save a roster spot because deuce can do both deuce is more dynamic as we saw at k-state and his kick returning ability yeah but he's also a rookie Turpin barely saw the field as a wide receiver, so he has no value there, according to the Cowboys. You signed Brandon Cooks. Look, you got C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks. You have um, Michael Gallup. You have Jalen Tolbert, who you drafted the year before. That's already four wide receivers. Why are you keep keeping Turpin? Okay, who, but who won't return kicks when you can have Deuce Vaughn return the kicks? Look, Who's better at it? I'm not. This is not an anti-Deuce Vaughn thing. I'm just saying they're probably going to beef this little nugget up, so he's probably going to lose a few seconds on the speed. You don't think? If the Cowboys as are as high on Tolbert as they say they are, and saying he's made all this progress, 
then Kevontae Turpin should not be on the team when the regular season starts. If they are saying who Jalen Tolbert is, if, if if they are saying he's the guy that they thought they drafted last year and, and his, his struggles, his rookie season was a fluke, then Turpin shouldn't be on this team because Deuce Vaughn should be your kick returner and you should be saving a roster spot if you want to build a team correctly. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. And I'm also going to say Deuce Vaughn will have more all-purpose yards than Jalen Tolbert does because I don't believe in Jalen Tolbert. I ain't saying, but I'm saying hot takes coming. Okay, okay. Well, maybe uh, Turpin can be repurposed into a kicker because we still need one of those. Which, yeah, so they still have only one kicker in camp who's not doing good. Yikes. Brett Maher. Yikes. What are you waiting for? Bruh, I don't even know. I really don't even know. Like, when I draft for fantasy football, yeah, I'm probably one of the first to draft my kicker, but that's like a solid amount of points per game. That's because you're getting Justin Tucker, of course. I mean, yes, that's true. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know why teams don't value that more. I, it, it makes no sense, right? It, you're taking it for granted, and it's going to look at, Justin Tucker literally won Baltimore a game because he kicked one of the longest field goals in NFL history last year. And I guarantee you, they wouldn't have even attempted it if they didn't have Justin Tucker kicking. Like, it is important. Make it important for you. Like, I, I don't understand why you want to go into a season with a shit kicker. Now, final news out of Cowboys camp, or probably the biggest news is what the hell are they doing with that offensive line? They're going to put Tyron Smith at left tackle and Terrence Steele at right, Biotish at center, and then obviously you're going to have um, you, you're going to have uh, Zach Martin at guard, and then the other guard is up in the air. But like for the love of all that is good, Tyron Smith shouldn't be starting. No, he should not. Maybe they're hoping the rookies will learn and he'll mentor them. I don't know. Yeah, because uh, I just... Here's what your starting offensive line should be. It should be Tyler Smith and Terrence Steele at tackle, Zach Martin at, at guard, uh, Tyler Biotish at center, and then you should be finding out who plays the who plays best at guard and if you really want Tyron Smith then put him at guard if he can play because he looked piss poor last year at both tackle positions so I'm not saying but I'm saying like they need to figure out what's going on with that offensive line because this ain't it I I agree well let's pivot to Chiefs OTAs which you will be handing solo because we don't get paid for this podcast yet and the real world is calling. All right, you get out of here. Mila out. Thanks, guys. All right, let's talk Kansas City. I'm going to hit you with the, the big news at OTAs. So big news is that like we're still getting healthy, right? McDuffie, Edwards, uh, Jones, Devonta, uh, Donovan, uh, Tony, a lot of people, uh, McKinnon, a lot of people are, are still getting healthy. Uh, that, they either got hurt or, or pretty banged up. So that's the, the biggest storyline going into OTAs is just get those people in there, get them treatment, get them healthy. The first like real, real storyline is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the final year of his deal. He's definitely not getting a second contract, but he showed up, right? There's no holdout, not sitting out. 
showing up to voluntary workouts uh, at OTA. So like, that's a good sign. That means he's all in, right? Because he's playing for his next contract, even though it might not be in Kansas City. And I think the biggest thing, even though the Chiefs had a fantastic season, won the Super Bowl, the biggest deficiency that the Chiefs had last year was obviously on their kick return, right? Multiple fumbles, multiple turnovers. So it's something that the Chiefs are kind of focusing in on. And and the leader right now seems to be one like the Chiefs' final pickups and in, in, in Richie James. Another guy like Kadarius, uh, who didn't get a lot of playing time in New York, but seems to be maybe finding a home here. And if you can be a reliable kick returner to fix last year's problems, you basically are going to make the team. So big thing there. And then the last one is just remember uh, – New backup quarterback in town. Uh, thank you, Chad Hitting, for everything you did in KC. Glad you got the rings and everything. Uh, but it, it's really seeing if Blaine Gabbert can be the guy. Because as we've seen these last few years, like, yes, Mahomes can stay relatively healthy, but there needs to be a reliable backup to get you through a spell, right? The ankle injury, the hobbling to be able to rest Mahomes every now and then. Like, we do need a reliable backup here because the last two seasons without it, the success wouldn't be here. And Chad Haney did an incredible job for Kansas City. And it's really important to see if Blaine Gabbert can kind of take that role and, and run with it. Because at some point you think for a game, for a half, we're going to need to utilize it. So big stuff there, um, but, but not too much. And, and you wouldn't expect that much, right? coming off of a Super Bowl uh, of huge storylines going into camp. I think the big ones is health, kick return, and what's going to happen at that backup quarterback position. Are we going to trust Blaine Gabbert to be the guy and and really hold it down for Kansas City? But those are kind of like the big, big stories coming out of the offseason. Training camp is going to have more because you suspect by training camp, obviously everyone's healthy and you'll get a real look at this team. But right now I think those are the three big storylines. Health, kick return, backup quarterback for Kansas City. Um, I know everybody wants wants to talk wide receiver, blah, blah, blah. I don't really think that's a storyline until you get in a training camp and you see really what you have there, right? Because uh, like last year, everybody thought like, hey, I don't know, is this wide receiver group good enough without Tyreek Hill? And it absolutely was. So wait till training camp to really say whether or not that's a storyline once you see everybody in action. I know the Hopkins news is out there. I do expect the Chiefs to play, to make a pitch to him, but we probably won't talk about that until that becomes more uh, more robust, right? Because it's going to come down to does Hopkins want to be paid a ton of money or does he want to go for a ring? If he wants to go for a ring, he's probably going to come to Kansas City. If he wants to lock down his last opportunity at a multi-year big deal contract, then it's probably not going to be Kansas City. So it's really going to be what are Hopkins' priorities, and then you'll see where he lands. But he hasn't been too too vocal about what his priority is. So time will tell with that. Until then, uh, hit us up at i35sportscxn on Twitter if you want to talk Big 12 and the huge news that's coming and what they're doing there. Keep in mind, later this summer, we're going to have our K-State preview. We're going to have our Chiefs-Cowboys previews, like a lot of big stuff. We're going to do NBA draft stuff. So like really big news uh, coming. But hit us up at i35sportscxn, and we will see you guys later.